Welcome back to Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs Minute, a daily podcast where we deconstruct and analyze Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs one minute at a time. I'm Andrew Dorowski. And I'm Kestra Dorowski. We are here with Minute 5 of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs from Walt Disney Productions in 1937 and 38. Yes. Yeah. Okay. The end of our first week. I can probably get to a point where I stop saying that it's an old <laughs> film from early Disney stuff, but... Uh, and minute five begins with a rope in the well and ends with a view from inside the well uh, of Snow White staring down on it, which I might have some questions of towards the end of our discussion. So happy Friday. Happy Friday. Okay. So my first note on this minute is because we hear her singing, like she started singing a little bit, um, not singing, singing, but humming. Yes. Yeah. I'd, what's the term for like vocalizing? I guess humming is that okay? But vocalizing was she just humming? Because no, humming's just like, she... mm, but she's like, ha. Ah. Oh yeah, it'd be vocalizing. Okay, so she's she's making sounds with her voice. Yes, and my note is like her high child voice. Like it's definitely like an actual child, like a young person, right? I don't know how old but the she, actress was, but she was she was quite yeah. young, and Walt Disney did want a young voice. Uh, so even if she was to, even if she was older, he wanted her to have a, a young, young voice. Sing, so it's a little bit voice. like the most recent Disney film, as we record this, Moana, where they got a young person, and it makes a difference to hear that. Use. Like you can hear the. I don't want to say like non-maturity, but a youthfulness in it. There is a not quite grown quality that you hear in Snow White and also in Moana that adds something to the performance. Yes. The voice actress, Adriana Casalotti. Ca Casaletti. Casaletti. Right? It's L-O-T-L-O-T-T-I. Casalotti, probably. Kesselotti. Someone can correct us. Yes. Uh, I believe she was 19. Okay. So, but like, still when they young. first started, she was probably like 16 yeah. or so. And so that youthfulness also conveys a lot of innocence. It And Snow White's voice is, of all princesses, particularly high in range. Yes. And that additionally conveys this benign innocence. Yes. The actress or actor voice. Performer. Performer, yes. Uh, she had been classically trained vocally. Oh, okay. Um, and In the high range? In the high range. Like the high, high range? Or She'd just be the... a soprano. Or like, but like, like the high but like soprano? Like she would have a high, a soprano range, but she'd be able to speak or have a, a, a middle as her mostly lower like, range. What I'm saying is like Snow White has a high Yes. Cute, tidy voice. Yes, it can be quite. If someone were to speak to be like that, just I could see it becoming very annoying. It's yes. never annoying in this, no. which I don't understand how they do. Like, it's very much in the area where it's like that could be so frustrating to listen to. The only thing that would bother me as a someone who is musically trained mm -hmm. would be her vibrato which i would classify more as a tremolo in her singing voice mm -hmm. 
because it just so is it annoying as you listen to snow white not all the time but like usually when i'm watching the movie no okay but if i'm listening to the music on it by itself Mm -hmm. i'm focused more on the music itself whereas when i'm watching the movie i'm focused on everything okay which i think that's an important distinction because can you take things out of context and still enjoy them appropriately and i think if you watching the movie it it's not an issue and it's it's right when it's in the movie it is a little bit of an issue but not as much okay when i was younger i didn't notice it okay so and but now that i'm trained to someone who's not as trained as you are yes um because you are in music education like that that you are studying music yes um and have studied music and have performed a lot so you have a very different level of training with it than most people who have ever seen this movie Mm -hmm. okay so that is a difference but that was the that was the kind of style for classically trained musicians and vocal musicians at that time. They would have a faster and a broader vibrato. So even so even with your training at the time they may have been doing everything even perfectly for what was the style. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. I don't understand how it doesn't get annoying. Like I hear it and I think it's like, oh this is gonna get annoying. Never does. Not for an instant. Did I think it's like Snow White's so annoying? Like, and I don't understand how they do that. I agree. Do you have any idea how they do that? Any theories? No idea. I have no clue. Okay. And maybe it would be annoying out of context of the film. Like if, if it was like maybe a guest later on what? will watch just a, a certain segment and say, it's like, oh yeah, I thought her voice was really annoying. When I, when I went and met Snow White at Disneyland once, it was a little annoying because... But it probably seemed more... Out of... More performed than... Yes, more um, performed than... than the film. Yeah. And that's a, a, a part of the responsibility of Snow White at the park. Yes. Is to uh, perform... A high, squeaky... Not necessarily squeaky, but high-pitched... And she has to maintain that in a particular way um so yeah we can acknowledge that there are certain times when it might be annoying in the film it's great and i don't understand how it always works it conveys innocence and youth and she is immediately polite and she is immediately endearing just in as i said earlier the zen with which she (laughs) handles her work right it's fantastic and you immediately like her you know that she is being punished for no fault of hers and she is tolerating it yeah like amazingly she she's just happy-go-lucky but there's also like there is a weariness to her motion i think she sighs at one point yeah like her her shoulder droops as she grabs the bucket Mm -hmm. So she's not energetic about this, but she is bearing it so well. And it's amazing that they convey so much with the animation. Like, like her exasperation and like, ah, this is what I have to do with life. But it's not like, oh, this is what I have to do with life. She's like, this is the situation and I can be happy about it. And I can sing still and I can enjoy time with these doves that are everywhere and just 
are enchanted by her. Like all the doves are staring at her so all the time. So many doves. The, they, and they just follow her and she ends up talking to them and sings a song to, with them. She's yeah. like, want to know a secret? Yeah. And it's like, but she must have talked to these birds all the time. Yeah, right? probably. But maybe she's never told them the secret. I don't know. We'll get to that in a minute. Let's talk about her rosy cheeks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tell me about her rosy cheeks. I know you want to talk about this. So with the rosy cheeks, the painters had tried so many different... Most of the painters were women. Female. Were female, yeah. yeah. So, and, and the inkers, too. Yes. So most of the animators and artists... Were male. As, you know, drawing the images, but most of the people preparing them for filming were mm-hmm. female. Yes. Uh, the the painters had tried many times to get her cheeks rosy, mm-hmm. but none of the paint was making it seem natural and making it seem like like a good right thing to do. Uh, so then one of the painters talked to Walt and said, "I imagine Walt was like complaining constantly about this. Like we need to have color, and they were like, well, you can either have it look awful or.'" Not there. Yes. And one of them talked to Walt saying, what if we used our own makeup, our own rouge? And um, mm-hmm. and he's and like... Blush. And blush. And he's like, what do you mean? And she sh- and she did it in front of him. And it's like, see? And he's like, that's brilliant. Like, It's yes, perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> so it's actual makeup that is on Snow White. So... They're doing, you know, all this sophisticated, like, paint and line work. And then they, like, pull out a compact and, like, touch, touch. Yes. Okay. And I remember in one of the special features we watched, they said, like, someone asked, like, how are you going to make sure it's right every time? And they just, like, look at him. It's like, um, um. <laughs> we do it right all the time. Like, and, and, like, it's a dumb question because, like, not only do they, like, apply makeup all the time and are capable of doing that. But also they have been professionally painting and inking these drawings yes. with consistency and like precise colors and, and everything. It's like their professionalism should not have been under the slightest question. Yeah. Now, do they have to do it? So which side is up when they film? Is it, it's gotta be ink side up, right? Yes. So they had to, so someone did the ink, they flip it over. They had to do, rouge and then paint i don't know if it's rouge and then paint or if it's paint then on the other side of the oh the rouge. on, on I, the ink side i don't know it, it never to- i never okay saw. but it could have been on it so they either had to do it on the ink side probably after they painted it or on the paint side within before the lines before they, they paint. painted it okay that's interesting yes and i desperately want to know the answer and i want to know the inner workings of all this but it's that's just so awesome that like throughout this entire film, her rosy cheeks are like, I think the best thing to think about is like, that's attainable. Like yes. you could, you can apply makeup like that. Mm-hmm. And I do it every day. And you're very, very pretty sweetheart. Thank you. I'm biased. Yes, you are. You are my husband. Okay. Okay. What's, what's next on this minute? So after, she cleans. She goes over to she the well. She goes over to the well. She draws the well. Okay, so we that's already... In the, that's yeah, in the Previous minute yesterday. is cleaning. She's at the well. And then she's singing and vocalizing. And then she tells Wanna the doves... Want to know a secret? Yes. Promise not to tell? Which is very cute and, like, is just spoken, but it feels like it's leading into something. And then it leads into the song. 
because when she says we are standing by wishing well she is rhyming with tell and she's singing that part yes so she speaks two lines and then sings that was so hard not to sing it the first two (laughs) no the when i just oh when you just said it (laughs) because it like it locks into your brain and this is the beginning of the first song which is called i'm wishing i'm wishing the first song of probably seven or eight in the movie yes this song does lead into the next song which we'll talk about next week uh one song it's the prince's song okay uh in i believe on the cd it's it's right next to like it's in the same recording gotcha but uh this particular part is i'm wishing and so she says that if you if you if if you say your wish or sing your wish into the well and it echoes back, it means it's going to come true, which is not an element of a wishing well that I was ever familiar mm-hmm. with until I watched this a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yes. Like, no, like you threw you, a coin. You threw a coin. But she, she's poor. She's not poor at the same time. So this is, but... again, a thing that like we should be getting from this that we are not. Okay. Oh, and we talked about it and we looked it up. We didn't talk about it after we looked it up. Um the mirror mirror thing mirror, versus mirror. magic mirror. Yes. We looked it up. It's just a misquote. Yeah. It's like mirror mirror is not a thing in this movie. It's not a thing in the most popular collective unconscious source of the magic mirror. It's magic mirror on the wall. How did we get mirror mirror? It's a misquoted line. Um, it is a Casablanca, play it again, Sam, because that's not the line. It is a Darth Vader, Luke, I am your father, because that's not the line. So it's not Mirror Mirror, it's Magic Mirror on the wall. Whoever made the movie, the movie Mirror Mirror, I don't know where you're getting that from. <laughs> but we've we have solved that. And then this wishing well thing is another like disconnect where like where are we getting the coin in the wishing well? Because it's also a coin in a fountain. Right. So maybe it's supposed to be a coin in a fountain and you sing into the well and wait for an echo? I don't know. Or speak into the well because I don't want to sing my wishes into a well and wait for I an do. echo. <laughs> but you are a singer. <laughs> I um, would so sing into a well. <laughs> and so she starts singing and it starts echoing. But it doesn't echo every line. No, it doesn't. Does she sing? It, like, Is it supposed to be that she's not quite singing every line into the well? I think so. But or is I, it just for the musicality? I, I don't know. It might be for the musicality. Because it seems like she kind of like tilts her head away from the well for the lines that don't echo. It's possible. I I would believe that it would be for the musicality originally. And then they would, they tried to make it seem like she wasn't singing into the well during the others. I would believe right. that, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think it would be really good musically if each line was echoed. Yes. It like the way it is set up works very well, which is again, and we will probably talk about this more and more throughout the film. This film is meticulously and precisely arranged and put together to the point where like, I don't really have notes on like, Oh, I wish they had changed this. Like, no, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah. And so like, I wouldn't change the way this song works. I might have some stuff around the Huntsman because it's kind of a weird sequence, but it's just to move the plot to the next phase. Um, So this music, good. The echoing, good. The birds. This is the first goofy bit we get in this entire movie. Are you ready for this? When it echoes, one of the birds uses its wing like an arm 
to be like, whoa. I didn't realize that it used its wing as an arm. I realized that it like jumped and like. It, it, it jumped and it uses its wing in the way a person would use a shoulder for physical acting. Huh. I and, did not see that. And it's, well, it's, it's a silly symphonies carryover. You know, they've animated so many, you know, silly goofy birds and it, and I noticed that I was like, that bird did a human thing. Yeah. Um, like that. the, the posture of it jumping back was like, what? You can't see, but I'm like leaning and like turning over my shoulder and, you know, being startled a little bit. And so the bird did a human thing. And I think that's the first anthropomorphization of an animal um, in this film, because so far everything else has been human or the mirror. Yes. Um, We will get a lot more of it. And it's a little odd because the doves are so dove-like the whole time we see them. They're so bird the whole time but seeing one do that action was a little bit comforting to see kind of a you know a goofy animal moment and we get the prince he shows up where she says i'm wishing for the one i love or i don't remember exactly what line she's singing um but he just starts trotting is that the front of the castle or is that the back of the castle this castle is not super clear also what is he riding by (laughs) i would have to like look at this view of the castle versus the initial view of the castle and compare because it doesn't seem quite as tall from this angle yes but he rides like two there's definitely a path that he rides up to because he hops like off his horse onto this thing which is like set five feet high right like from the grass so it's some sort of entryway path but he also doesn't seem like he was invited. Yeah, like no, he's definitely. he's a little stealthy about he, this. He, I just I don't understand. But his what horse he was... is just like prancing this perfect dressage, kind of like he's not galloping and he's not trotting and he's not walking. That horse is prancing. I don't I like. I don't know horses a lot. I don't know if prancing is the technical term, but it's like picking up its feet in a yeah. in a performative manner, which which, which is a dressage would, kind of thing. I, I would. I'm pretty sure we see it, or, like, you can see it in films, or, like, not necessarily, like, actual live-action films, mm-hmm. but in films where the the horse is a royal horse, or... Yes, it's it's a fancy horse yes. um, action, where it has two feet up and two feet down, um, opposite feet at, at each time, and it has a very, like, you know the sound, it's a very clip-clop, clip-clop, clip-clop. But there's, you know, you hear two feet hitting the ground, two feet up, two feet down, two feet up. Um, and it's, yeah, it, it's the fancy horse move, which I think is part of them showing. It's like, this is Prince. Like, he walks around with his horse doing fancy walk. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe that. I just, like, I don't know what he's doing. Doing? Because well, where he's going, especially since the castle seems so empty and there doesn't seem to be anybody else yeah like around. there's not a party it's... that he's coming to that he's not coming to an audience it's like he's just around and he's not a major character so i guess it kind of originally though he was supposed to be a major character but they had trouble animating him so yeah they and they had other ideas about scenes. him like falling in a fountain and yeah. and you know talking about like i'm in love and and so there's things that came out and i don't think it suffers for it Mm-mm. i think there's the right amount of him Absolutely. In this sequence, yeah. I guess maybe, maybe I do have a note at the end when he shows up, it's kind of out of nowhere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that's okay because the story's not really about the prince. This story is about the queen and it's about the dwarves. Yes. Like it's not about, um, 
Snow White even. There's a, a, a review of Snow White and Seven Dwarfs uh, from Roger Ebert. He gave it four stars um, out of four. <laughs> and in the review, he talks about something that people don't get from like when they try to duplicate or mimic Disney's success is that Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs isn't necessarily about the title character. Snow White isn't the driving force. She's sort of the focal point around which everything else is happening. But when you watch it, it's like, oh, it's not really about Snow White. It's about the queen wanting Snow White dead. And it's about the dwarves learning from Snow White and wanting to protect Snow White. Yes. And and what she does for them and what they do for her. And so, like, the prince, eh, doesn't really matter. So I'm not really upset that he's not a great character. Yeah. Because the dwarves have enough character for, you know, the entire film. And the queen is amazing in, in her bit. Like, she kind of steals the show. So I don't mind that the prince isn't fleshed out and I don't mind that I don't quite get why he's there because he's, he just needs to have a moment around. Yeah. Yeah. So who was that again? The person who? Uh, Roger Ebert. He gave it a four out of four. Mm-hmm. I find that very interesting since it has a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's, it's well reviewed. It's, it's very well. It's really good. It's like, completely the opposite of, of Disney's folly. It's, his success. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, we need to like, we'll find a minute where nothing else is going on and we'll talk about like the success that this was and the necessity for it to be a success. Mm-hmm. Like an entire studio is founded on this yes, working. Absolutely. One time, which just doesn't happen the same no, anymore. No. Like there's a handful of studios that make all the movies now. And some of the studios are actually owned by other studios. And it's, you know, it's interesting. And um, I mean, those other studios are owned by Disney in many cases. And instead this was, you know, the creation of a juggernaut of a studio practically overnight. Yeah. And we will talk about that on another occasion when we have more time. Do you have anything else on this minute? I did, but I can, it it goes into next month, next week's too. So I can talk about it then. My last note on this minute is the amazing shot at the end when it's from okay, and I don't know if it's from the well's perspective or if it's supposed to be a reflection in the well. Uh, it's not perfectly clear. This, one. but I think um, it's not exactly that one. It's okay. more shimmery. It's underwater, mm-hmm. and so you get some of these same shimmery um, fluid effects that you get on the mirror, but not exactly the same. And I think of it as looking from under the water up to the top of the well where you see Snow White and some of the doves and just the way the water is moving feels amazing and real. And I don't know how they did it, especially because they basically had to like reinvent that concept when they did a little mermaid. Yeah. Years and years and like 50 years later. Right. So it's fascinating that they did this and like, they're not showing off. They're just doing what they have to, to make sure that this is special and it's working. Because yeah. this is a special movie. Yes. So that's it for the for this week. That's all I have. Okay. We will be back next week with another set of minutes from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Until then, uh, please like us, rate us, review us on iTunes. And please uh, give a shot and listen to my other podcast, The Protagonist Podcast. And we'll be back again. <laughs>